You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all natural black Angus beef and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Midweek Mailbag Pride of Detroit Week 18 with Stakes. It is <laughs> Detroit Lions football week against the Green Bay Packers and big game ahead. Uh, but uh, before, uh, well, first, let me introduce uh, myself. My name is Jeremy Reisman, producer of Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online. With me, as always, answering your Lions questions here live on our Twitch page, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, is managing editor of Pride of Detroit at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric Schlitt is here, buddy. How you doing? I'm all right, buddy. I'm. Uh, it's It's exciting to be talking about potential postseason in january yeah like it's been a while it has been far too long um before yeah. we jump into your uh your questions here we do kind of have to address the 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 elephant in the room here obviously um we've all kind of been shaken up the last 24 hours because of what happened on monday night football our, our thoughts our prayers are all with demar hamlin um i know you and i were both watching monday night football and and, and had a tough time going back to work today and and kind of took half days it's kind of why we're doing this at night but um yeah. it felt like we can't just straight up ignore that um and yeah. i i could talk more about it and the thoughts and feelings that i have but i think we're going to treat this podcast as as kind of a little bit of escape um and i know that's not always the best way to cope with situations like this but for for an hour um i feel like maybe maybe it's time to just like give our give ourselves a little bit of a break and 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 talk, yeah. try to talk about some lines football you know, it's something we've tried to do as a site in the past, right? We've tried to offer uh, an opportunity to, you know, not think about the, the the negative things that are happening out there. And and hopefully we can do the same and we'll have a, a fun, interactive show with our uh, audience who can ask questions and uh, we'll see what, how many we can get answered today. Hopefully more than six, which is our, our, our average. I, I'd probably set the over under uh, at, at five and a half tops, but we'll see. Uh, let's, let's, <laughs> let's jump into it. Uh, 
Let's talk some James Houston. We got a couple questions on him this week. First from right. Tim, first from Tim Tim Richels asks, how big of a sigh of relief is Brad Holmes breathing right now because nobody claimed James Houston or poached him off the practice squad? And he's got to be ecstatic, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, like you know, we 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 talked about this in the off season, like coming in. This is he was billed as this. A potentially elite pass rusher based yeah. on what he did in college and like you know you saw there was a big learning curve but it seems like he has chewed up that learning curve and gone beyond right and so yeah brad holmes has to be sitting back and looking at this draft class and being like well that one works and <laughs> that guy's starting and that guy's starting right and uh yeah he has to be ecstatic uh him and his staff have uh, really added some nice pieces to to the roster this year. And um, James Houston has been a real shining star over the last six games. Has he only played six games? Six games? My yes, goodness. Eight sacks, six games, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And I think it's worth pointing out that I don't think there was ever that big of a risk in losing James Houston. Um, you know, maybe there was a team out there that, that really liked him and was upset that the Lions took him in the sixth round. But... Um, you know, he didn't he didn't put out like good preseason tape. In fact, no. really, you know, training camp was pr- mostly a disappointment. Right. And it's not it's not like the Lions ever lost faith in him, but they tried what Florida did. Right. They tried to play him at linebacker a little bit. And they're like, oh, no, that's that's not that's not where this kid's future is. And they really yeah. and if you listen to Dan Campbell continue to talk about James Houston, it, they really didn't see him start to hit his full potential until October. Mm-hmm. And so. That's when I think I think that's at that point it was like if anyone even tries to touch this guy off our practice squad, he's coming up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what they were worried about, right? I mean, that's why they signed it immediately. Yeah, he brought him up for Thanksgiving, and he does what he does, and they're like, okay, the the cat is out of the bag now. Yeah, we have to make this happen. Um, I mean, look, you listen, Decker is the one who pretty much faced off against him every day in practice uh, the first 12 weeks of the season, right. right? And if you listen to Decker talk about him, he talks about how Houston had one move, essentially. And it was a move that he used in college. We watched some of his the limited college tape that's out there. Uh, he had this move where he would set up an outside rush and then duck back in inside because he was too quick for the tackles to adjust to him. In this NFL setting, Decker knew what he was going to do, and so he just sat on it, and he just was like, I knew what he was going to do all the time, so I just pushed him, pushed him, and then when he decided that, okay, I can, I can, I need to lead into my bend a little bit more, Decker was like, that's when it really started to be like, uh-oh, I'm having a hard time, and they gave him a lot of credit for seeing what was working, then leaning into that, and then starting to expand his game from there, right? And it's a crazy story because he goes to uh, he goes to the um, well, gosh, from Florida to Jackson State, right? right. Yep. And he wants to be a linebacker, and Dion says, "No, you're you're, you're not going to make it as a as a linebacker. You should play the edge." He plays the edge. He gets drafted. He comes to the Detroit, and he's like, "I want to play linebacker." And they're like, "Well, we'll try you." And then they're like, "Yeah, no, uh, you're going to go back to playing the edge." And now. He comes out, he, he's just playing lights out on the edge. And what do they do last game? They start dropping him back at linebacker. A little bit, yeah. Right? Like he's slow. Like he had to get his claws in on one thing, and now he's starting to expand. And it's a really good 
feel good story amongst several feel good yeah. stories on this roster this year. Well, let's let's kind of expand on that last point you made. Jason Krolik on Twitter asked, is James Houston someone you can build around in the future? How big of an offseason need is Edge? So we we we've seen even just just last week, James Houston yeah. go from a very specific third down role guy to now he's playing more mm-hmm. on first down. Now he's dropping yeah. into coverage. Now he's doing a lot of different things. So I guess what do you, do you still view? I mean, I know he's six games into his NFL career, so of course he hasn't hit his ceiling yet, but what, where is that ceiling? Can he be a, a, a full-time edge? And I know that's what, what they're building towards what they want to build mm-hmm. towards, but is that, is that a realistic goal? Do you think for a guy with, I guess, limited success at being a three down guy? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, could his ceiling reach there? Maybe. Will it reach there next year? I don't think it will. Not next year. Um, but he's definitely ascending, right? Um, but the scheme that they run and the style that they run, they want a Sam linebacker. And their Sam linebacker is essentially like a pass rushing linebacker who can occasionally drop. And they they had that or thought they had that in, in Julian. Right. Uh, Aquara. And James Houston has been everything that they wanted Julian Aquara to be. And Julian has not attacked in a pass rushing role the way that, that Houston has. Right. Julian still has value, but Julian has, in my mind, has definitely been jumped uh, uh, on the depth chart. And so when you're going into next season and you're saying, all right, I got Hutch on my open side. I've got Pascal on my closed side. Um, and now I've got my specialty pass rusher in James Houston. What else do I have? Like, what else do I want to add? Well, I've got Romeo under contract. I've got Charles Harris under contract. I've got Julian under contract. And I probably want to bring Kaminsky back. So, right? Like, and then honestly, I could see them cutting loose we've talked about this before. I hate to say it, but I could see them cutting loose Harris or Aquara because that's a lot of money invested in those two players as situational role players. Yeah. At the same time, you need pass rush. You always need pass rush. So I don't know. I I, look in in my opinion, edge, they're going to have too deep at all three of the spots that they want. Yeah. Will that preclude them from taking an edge rusher at six overall? Nope. Because (laughs) Because you can never have too much, right? right? Yep. Like you can't. Like it's just it's such a, an important factor. And you've seen the way that they've leaned on their edge guys this year, putting four out at a time, five out at a time, right? Exactly. Like they're doing this because they have the bodies. And I fully expect them to heavily lean into edge and continue to lean into edge, keep trying to add more bodies and just you know making it work within their scheme. Next question comes from our buddy Ryan in uh, Toledo. Uh, asks, um, we have to kind of go to uh, another defender here that's on the other end of the spectrum here, Jeff Okuda. Says Okuda mm. did not look bad by what it appeared they asked him to do on Sunday, and he graded well on PFF, but he was benched anyways. What's the deal, and where should the level of concern be? I have no idea, right? Like, <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. Like, and we're not going to get an answer out of Campbell because when he was asked, he basically was like, oh, no, Jeff's doing everything fine. We just like Mike Hughes in this situation better. Yeah. Which is alluding to Mike Hughes is a better run defender. At the same time, that was one of Jeff Akuta's strengths. So right. I'm not sure. I rewatched the game today and I didn't see anything that Jeff did 
that would have been like a precursor to him getting yanked. Um, I, of course, I didn't have the all 22, but I had to just do what I had. Right. Um, at the same time, I saw him like, it looked like he had like his arm was all, he kept moving his arm, kept rubbing his arm. He got seen by the trainers a couple of times, but yet he was playing on special teams. So right. like, I don't think it was an injury, but maybe he was dinged up, but I, I don't know if maybe the injury was keeping him from being a better, I, it did. I don't know. I, there was nothing obvious that stood out to me. Yeah. I, I mean, based on what Campbell said yesterday, he made it really sound like it was always part of the plan. Like they were going to rotate a little bit, which I don't know. I don't know if I buy or don't. I, Campbell isn't one that, that lies a lot, but that does feel a little bit of feels like a twinge of protecting your player a little bit. Right. And if you look at the stats, like it was a CUDA until it wasn't. And then right. it was Hughes, right? It wasn't like they were rotating either. Right. So <clears throat> um, now to be fair, I, I do think Elliot or not Elliot um, Hughes has been playing well. Yeah, I, I think I think he's been playing fine, um, mm-hmm. but I don't like I, I'm starting to look forward to next week. And, you know, Green Bay, Green Bay's offense is really predicated on the run game, too. They, they like to run the ball a lot. And but they yeah. do have a couple of receivers that are starting to to emerge a little bit. And obviously, Aaron Rodgers is a guy that that will hurt you, will extend plays and you you have to cover for a long period of time. And. I think I trust Jeff a little bit more than I do um, Mike Hughes when it when it comes to that. So the Lions have a tough decision on their hand. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know what the plan is going forward. I don't know what the plan is for Okuda long term. But this is this certainly isn't a good look. This certainly isn't a good situation that Jeff Okuda is in. And and I, I think I mentioned it on on the podcast. Like there was a bizarre moment in that game where I'm just watching and I see. Amani Oruwari and Jeff Okuda standing next to each other on the sidelines and be right. like. <clears throat> Those are were our starters. Mm-hmm. Like, what's happening here? It's not. It's not a good thing. It's not a good development. And there's a reason why uh, mock drafts are starting to shift to cornerback for the Lions, and and rightfully so, I would say. If you look, no, I've started looking at the off season. I've told you this off air, like that. I've started to prep for what does the roster look like after the season is over. Yeah, they have three corners under contract next year that's it they have six edge rushers under contract three three corners you know what i mean so that's jeff jacobs and uh chase lucas and that's it like they're going to need bodies at at corner one way or another whether it's re-signing guys or whether it's um going into the draft or going into free agency or whatever it's going to be they're going to need bodies at that in that cornerback room um, will Jeff hold that role? I mean, geez, he's got all the talent. He's got the right mentality. I just, I, I'm not, I wish there was an obvious like indicator and I just don't know what it is. And it, I don't know if that's, that's just maybe my a fault in, in the way I'm looking at things or, um, that they're seeing something I'm not, but I don't, I, I just, I can't pinpoint it. I wish I could. Yeah, definitely something I think maybe would be a fun offseason film dive into type situation. But yeah, it is it is a little bit of a mystery right now and um, leaves the lines in a, in a precarious spot at corner going into this week and, and beyond. But uh, let's let's move on to a battle, a question here from Keith Battle um, asked, given the roster schedule and injury situation, did the lines overachieve 
underachieve or simply meet expectations from the preseason? I kind of feel like they did all three somehow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could make an argument each way. Like, I mean, you could definitely argue that they underachieved early, right? I don't, I don't think there's a lot yeah. you could, you know, argument there. Um, at the same time, we had them predicted right around this record, we nine did. and eight and eight and nine. That's what we had them as, right? And so this is where we expected them to be. Um, at the same time, I think the fashion in which they got here showed a level of overachievement as well. Right. So, right. Like, so they, they are kind of what we, we said, if they get, if they, if they live up to their potential, this is where they can be. And I, I do think that they have exceeded it because they underachieved early so much. So there you go. All three. There you go. You agree. Uh, I, I, I think I would land somewhere between meet expectations and overachieve. Um, because yeah, I think, I think, like you said, I think I was at eight, nine, you were at nine and eight. We'll see who was right on, on, on Sunday. Um, but I think a lot of our rationale was looking at that schedule and saying, yeah, that's pretty easy. And, yeah. and I think I saw someone say this and I'm not hundred percent sure if it's right, but I think someone put out there that going into week 17, the lions had played one game against a team that wasn't in playoff contention in week 17, the Chicago bears, every hmm. single, every single other team was still in playoff contention in the, in the penultimate week of the season. Hmm. That's insane. That's a really yeah. hard schedule. And so for them to have done what they did, that's a little bit of an overachievement. If we, we, if we had known then what we know now, we would say this was probably an overachieving season. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. Um, And then the other thing I would say though, is that I think the season played out, like a lot of us kind of expected to maybe in, in an exaggerated sense, but it, it it's what I said last year. And it's what I said this year. I want to see this team, this very young team play better football in December and January than they do in September and, and October. And that's exactly what happened again, mm. very much an exaggerated fashion. I didn't expect one and six and then six and one, but yeah, they're doing exactly what a team should be doing in their situation, which is getting young and, and and developing your your young players for the future and i i don't know, like i no matter what happens on sunday and this isn't me protecting my feelings you have to look at this season as a wild success you really mm -hmm. do because mm -hmm. the one thing like i kind of felt similarly last year but the things that were frustrating were were a lot of the young players that the lions had didn't get the opportunity to develop. Jeff Okuda didn't get the opportunity to develop. Levi Onzerike didn't get the opportunity to develop. They had so many injuries to that team and, and they had some early this year, but I think it's also worth pointing out this team has been very healthy as of late. And I, I, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's even worth it to knock on wood at this point in the season, but they've been remarkably healthy down the, the back half of this stretch. And, and I think that has a big reason to do what, why they're, they're playing so well as well. You want young guys to develop, and usually that rookie wall comes in. The rookie wall has been nowhere in sight in Detroit. Mm -hmm. They've been playing better. Look at look. What they what they have five and a half sacks from their rookies yesterday. Like on the season, they're at like nine eighteen point five or nineteen or something like that. Yeah, which is like one or two below the Bears total as a whole team. Like just the rookie, just the rookies. Like it's it's a, it's startling like what the rookies have been able to do and and when you talk to the veterans in the locker room they almost universally say the same thing it's that the rookies don't act like rookies 
the the rookies on this roster are guys that they know how to be professional they they act like they they the, the moment is never too big for them and they approach everything with this like sense of belonging like that they know that they're good enough to be in the nfl and they're ready to pay, play and they're ready to compete and and that's rare for a rookie class and i don't think that's by accident either you know what i mean like that is all the hard work that the scouting department puts in that is all the hard work that the draft department puts in to to look at these guys and have that narrowed list and say this is the type of attitude this is the type of mentality that we want and and we get the players that that fit that and this roster is turning into a whole bunch of young guys that have a we belong and the moment isn't too big and we want to snatch what's in front of us and 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 take ownership of it and that's that's a that's a really good sign yeah. uh, for the future. And the the only thing I'd add to that is that now now that they're playing meaningful games in December and January, like they're gaining valuable experience. Oh, yeah. What what's that like? And and what sort of work ethic it takes? I mean, you, you, this team learned a very valuable lesson in that Panthers week, right? You, you kind of mm-hmm. wish they hadn't. You kind of wish they would have won and been in the driver's seat where they are, but you have to imagine that's that's something that's going to stick with them. And that's something that Dan Campbell is going to probably continually bring up next year. If this team is still contending in December, like we can't afford a Carolina. You guys remember that. Mm-hmm. You guys remember what we did that that week and, and mm-hmm. how we can't do it again. So um, not, not only is this team, you know, improving, but they're, they're, they're getting valuable, meaningful football experience that, that hopefully, you know, helps them along the way when, when it comes up uh, again next year. It should, look, it should help them now. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, yeah. like going into this game, they ha- they are alive with playoff aspirations. If by the time game time rolls around, if the Seahawks have won, this team isn't going to be a team that's like, well, we're out. So, oh, well, Campbell is going to have a, this is a changing of the guard type of game. Right. If you want to own the NFC North, this is your statement game that you do it. Yep. Playoffs or not, you walk into Green Bay, you smack them in the mouth, and you take that that oh, you take them out of the playoffs, whether you're in or not. You go and you take it, and you t- build and you use that to build that character, so that next year. It's it, you're the one that's the intimidating factor. You're not looking across the road being like, you know, worried about those guys, you know, in, in, in yellow and green. Right. You you make them worry about you. You mm-hmm. you 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 change the power dynamic in the NFC North with a win. This is what I want. This is what I've been asking this, for. This is what you've been asking for. And we'll see if it happens. But let's take a break here. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about that game. We'll answer more of your questions. We'll get into a little bit of offseason talk as well here on the Midweek Mailbag. We'll be right back. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. 
Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we are back here on the Midweek Mailbag. Week 18, Lions, Packers, Sunday night football coming up. And we got to start talking about some playoffs. Obviously, the the road to a Lions uh, playoff appearance uh, is either a Seahawks tie or loss plus a Lions win. There's also a crazy scenario where the Seahawks tie, the Lions and Packers tie, and then the Commanders win and the Lions are in. But uh, obviously the the simplest route is that the Lions have a better result in their game than the Seahawks. Simple as that. Um, so that brings us to a question from Krolik. What are the odds you give the Lions to make the playoffs as of today? Jeez. Um, odds. I'm never good at odds. Uh, I mean, what's 553 say? 60%? I mean, I don't know. It's probably lower. It's, Just it's because 20 ish. If Do I think that they can beat the Packers? Absolutely. Do I think the Rams can beat the Seahawks? That's where I'm not so sure, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Stafford is not coming out of the in, off the injury report <laughs> and uh, returning for to throw 400 yards. You're not going to see this. Look, you're not going to see this like Super Bowl champ Rams team. At the same time, you and I sat down earlier today and talked about the fact that there are ways that the Rams have an advantage over the Seahawks, and there's things that they could do. And and um, I do think it's possible. Maybe it's only twenty percent. Maybe it is. But like, if they if if the Rams can pull it off. I'm going to be all in. I'm going to be like 99%, 99.9. I'm going to like I'm going to be just going because like if that opportunity is there I, I I don't see how this team that in 9 games has had one hiccup aren't prepared for this. Yeah. This opportunity. I don't care that it's cold. I don't care that it's in historic Lambeau Field. I don't care that it's on Sunday night. If this team has the opportunity to get in, book it. <laughs> I I don't know if I share your optimism there, which is probably not a surprise to anyone. But I I, I think I'm actually a little bit more optimistic than you about the the Rams winning. Good. And there there are a lot of reasons for that. And I want to start with that. I know it's a six and a half point spread, which is not great. Um, the Rams are obviously missing a ton of players and. But you look at their last matchup. It took Seattle a last-minute touchdown to win that ball game against John Wolford, and I think we can mostly agree that Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback than John Wolford. Seattle is not a good team; they, they just aren't. They, they played well last week. I'll give them credit for that. And, and Kenneth Walker is, is a good player, as much as I, I currently hate him a lot. Um, 
<laughs> but they don't stop the run well. And the Rams actually still run the ball fairly well, even even with their, their banged-up uh, offensive line. And Seattle's lost four out of five at home. Four out of the last five at home. And this one's at home for them. So... I'm giving them a, a an op, I'm like I'm not I'm not going to say it's like a 50-50 split but I give them like a 35% chance of winning that game maybe maybe a little bit more. Division games are weird, man. I thought you were going to say 51-49. I <laughs> no, I not crazy like I'm that. not going to give them 50-50. I'm going to give one at 1.1% edge. As, Look, as as for Lions Packers to me like I think it's a really even matchup. I really do. You, you, you look at the trajectory of the both teams in the past month. You look at what they do well, what they don't do well. You know, I'd prefer this to be in Detroit, obviously, because sure. I, I do think the Lions passing game is is their biggest advantage in this matchup. And unfortunately, it's it's tougher to pass the ball in, in Lambeau. It just is. And and not I'm not trying to say Jared Goff can't play in, in the cold. I think that narrative is, a, is overplayed. And and again, I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago um, when it came to Caroline. And you can use that as as an example that he struggled or an example that he didn't struggle, depending on, I, I guess, where how you want to look at it. But the fact of the matter is a lot of golf struggles in, in the past in the cold have more been a result of playing good defenses and green Bay's defense is better than they, than they have been. And they did stop the lines last time. I think that's, it's a valuable data point, but how many lines players were missing in that game? Um, You were missing DeAndre Swift. You were missing, uh, Josh Reynolds, DJ Chark, and Jameson Williams. Well, there you go. They got a shot. The, I, I, I'm like, I, I'd obviously, I think, you know, if I had to pick right now, who's going to win the game, I'd, I'd probably pick the Packers. But that, that to me, like, if you want to talk fifty-one forty-nine, I think, I think, I think this is a this is a toss-up. Ben Johnson's going to have some magic. He's going to have some magic planned. You don't think that getting, he hasn't been setting stuff up for this oh, game? Dude, we're, we're getting at least two trick plays. Like, it's, it's, it's just got to happen, right? It's not. It, look, it's there, there's, there's going to be more. There's going to be more than two. There <laughs> is, because, and it's going to be set up stuff. It's going to be. Yeah. It's going to be a handoff. It's going to be a, a, a toss left to Swift to Swift. With a fake end, end around, reverse to to Jameson, and Swift just keeps it, and they all bail because they're worried about four two speed, and then Swift is just like whoop whoop whoop, right? That's going to be one. That's going to be one of them, right? Like they're going to have set up plays, and they're going to do the stuff that's worked too. You think anyone's going to not? Anyone's going to wise up to the fact that when Block Right blocks, he's also going to release everyone's every one out of every five blocks or something like that, like. They're not going to wise up to that. You power Jamal up the middle. You block release. Boom. There's a, there's something. You you do the fake JMO. Boom. You do the quick you do quick quick slant. You back them off. Like the way that they run the 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 way that they run their scheme, it's beatable. If Ben can light this team up with these weapons and with forty one last week, and they didn't even try in the fourth quarter. They didn't even. It's the, Bears. it's the Bears. It's the Bears, though. That was a 30-second record defense. They put up 41 points in, 50, in like 30 minutes. Like they were and then they were like, well, all right. We'll just run the ball during the last like you know 15. They're they're going to have stuff planned. This is a plan for the future game. Sure. Right? Yeah. No like, question. They're going you got you have to game plan to stop the run. 
You, I say this every time you play the Packers. Yeah. You have to, you have to shut down Aaron Jones because you, I don't care about Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. You have to shut down Aaron Jones. You shut down the run game, and it's a totally different team, right? Like that's you start. It starts there, and then if you just hold them, you just hang with them, and then you let them, you let golf cook the way he's been playing right now. I don't care. I don't care if it's cold. They're going to have stuff planned. They're going to have set up plays. I I don't even think it's I don't even think it's 51-49 at this point. Like I don't care that they're four and a half dogs. I, I, I there's no way I'm not picking the Lions in this game. I'm I'm picking them now. Right? It's not even I I don't even, I don't care what the injury report looks like. It does not matter to me. They're winning. They're. Go- I, I'm, I can see the path to victory in this game. You're thinking with your heart, Eric. You're thinking. Uh, with your I heart. don't care. I don't care. This is what I want. <laughs> what I want is this game. I want the opportunity to just shut them up, and I want that opportunity. And if not now, when you do it now, I mean, if not now, when? Eric, yeah. the next ten years, because this franchise is in a much better place than the Packers there. are. Um, I, but also, I, chat if they if they run a flea flicker, I hope Ben Johnson goes to Carolina. <laughs> Unless it works. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, since we're riding this high right now, um, your boy Maroc asks if the Lions make the playoffs, who do you prefer they play? Oh, Minnesota. Yeah, they're terrible. <laughs> I do not want. I don't want the Forty ers I don't want I I don't want Philly right off the bat at least I sure. I, I don't want that I don't want Forty Niners uh, I I want the Vikings yeah I absolutely it the Vikings are where you want to be because you know how to beat them you just beat them by two scores sure and it wasn't even hard like they were like they eh. got a little hard. like they put they I almost put up hard. they put up a little bit more fight than Chicago did like that. Yeah, okay, look, I like Jefferson. Jefferson is fantastic. Yeah. But they know the game plan. They match up so well against Minnesota. They do. You absolutely want Minnesota in that game. Lions fans would sure get a kick out of watching Hawkinson's reaction and walking off that field as a loser. Oh, man. (laughs) Not not me personally. I don't don't have that (laughs) hatred towards Hawkinson, but I know a lot of Lions fans would love it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I don't need to add anything. You're, you're, You're right there. Um, let's, let's go back to, uh, we mentioned a little bit about Deandre Swift. Um, the real, uh, ache, um, on Twitter asks, um, are we back on the re-signed Swift wagon? Has he done enough to warrant an extension? What about Jamal? Can't see them paying both those guys this off season. So just to, to recap, um, Jamal's two year deal comes to an end at the end of the season. Swift has one more remaining year on his rookie deal. Um, they can choose to just ride it out or they could give him an extension this offseason. But either way, he is signed through 2023. So let's start with Swift. Um, do you think there's any movement with his contract dealings this offseason? Nope. I think they ride it out. Yeah, I don't think there's any real good incentive. Um, he's shown flashes of what make him one of the better running backs in the league. He can be such a dynamic weapon, but he's not always healthy. And when he's not healthy, he's he's held back. Um I think re-signing Jamal is a high priority. It's going to be one of the highest uh, for them, especially when you talk about character and leadership. Yeah. But with Swift, um, I don't think there's any reason for them to push the envelope on him. 
Uh, I think they're just going to ride it out. Yeah, and and to be clear, I don't think he's shown enough either. Like yesterday was a huge step in the or Monday was or Sunday was a huge step in the right direction, right? He, oh, he was that fantastic. Was, that was, was vintage fantastic. DeAndre Swift that, that we haven't yeah. seen in quite some time. But yeah. he needs to string we, those together before you start talking extension. And certainly. that's yeah. that's always been like, can he do this for even a month straight? Like we usually get one or two of those in a row, and then it's you're injured or you're you're bouncing everything outside or whatever it is um so there needs to be a lot more consistency there so give him another year to try give him another year under this coaching staff to be like all right let we we, we straightened some things out last year but it's not enough remember he went into the season with thousand 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 yards thousand receiving yards aspirations and i don't think he's at 1000 total right now so did not meet expectations even if they were lofty expectations with jamal i think it, i think it's an interesting conversation to have because He's very likely going to be coming off a thousand yard season. He's yeah. very, very likely going to finish in the top two or three in, in rushing touchdowns. I don't know where he ranks currently in the NFL, but it's got to be in the top five. He, if he wants his money, he can get it. He's going to be able to get it. And I don't like, I don't know. I, I think the lines will want him back, but I don't know yeah. if they're going to break the bank on him. I don't know if it would be wise to break the bank on him. Um, as as good as he is in the locker room, as good as he is fitting what they want to do. It's not going to come easy. And you know what I think about investing in, in running backs in general. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's also, yeah, would he be willing to take a discount? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know him that well. He's kind mm-hmm. of a, an eccentric guy. So maybe, maybe that, that sort of stuff, maybe the culture here matters more to him, but he's also kind of like a, it's kind of homebody too, right? Like, so I, I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know how much culture matters to him. I, I, it, it's 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 an interesting situation, and I don't think it's going to be as simple as like, oh yeah, of course they're going to bring him back. I think I think it's going to be tricky. I just I remember him crying during hard knocks. Yeah, when he because he wanted the team to be successful right. so bad. Yep. Right. Like he is invested into this team. The coaching staff absolutely loves him. Yep. Uh, I think they're going to give him. A, they're going to offer him a two-year deal. I do think the perception on him is that he could be a a a back, like a starting back in a rotation, but he can't be the starter right. by himself. Right. And so that is going to limit his value. And then when you have a loaded uh, running back draft class. Um, I don't know what the market's going to be for running backs. Uh, I think they're going to offer him a two-year deal. I think it'll probably be reasonable, and I can see him saying, "Yeah, just let me sign it. I just want to go play Pokemon." You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm glad you said Pokemon. Was very- I did. I'm not. I'm no dummy. Um, all right. I think we have time for one or two more. Um, let's go with this one. Um, from between the numbers, Anthony on Twitter, um, has says. Has this season been the best case scenario? And then he lists three things that they've done. One, compete for the wild card through week week 18. Two, young players have made major impacts. And three, the quarterback question is answered in the affirmative. First of all, do you agree with those three accomplishments that they've achieved all three of those? And is there anything else that they could have realistically uh, achieved that they didn't? So one and two, the... Competing for a wild card spot in week 18. That's a yep. 
that's legit. Sure. Uh, young players stepping up, that's legitimate. Yeah. I still think there's going to be some question around Goff in his future um, because that's the nature of the business. Sure. At the same time, I fully expect Goff to be their starting quarterback in 2023. Yeah. Uh, and I do think that they're going to be – the way that he has performed – over the last couple of months has really just been a really, a really like telling statement, right? This is what I can do. This is what I'm capable of. And I, and he's actually played a, a better than I've ever think he's ever played. Right. By and so, industry. right. Well, and so I don't think they're, I don't think they're going to go like into this draft saying, Oh, we need a quarterback. Right. Like, I don't think that's what they're thinking. At the same time, I don't know if they're going to say, I don't know when we're going to be this high, picking high this high again. Maybe we really like this quarterback. Maybe we think this guy has a better future. Like, I don't know what their their thought process is. At the same time, I do think Goff is part of that future in, in the next – I think he's probably going to play out his contract, right? Like, And then what happens beyond that, I have no idea. Right. Um, but even that's a revelation, right? Because we went into the season like, is yeah. he going to – is he even going to be on the roster? We were halfway into the season yeah. talking about, or, you know, a month into the season talking about that, right? Yeah. I would and now I don't think, yeah. Yeah. Now I don't think there's any question. Yeah. Right. Like now, I, I, they'd have to be completely in love with somebody to draft them, like yeah. to draft. Like they're going to need to draft a quarterback, right? At the same time, at some point, because like, they're gonna, they, they just they need depth. They can't do sure. the roller coaster roster like carousel that they do on the back end. Um, but I think he's, I think it's he's done enough, right? Yeah. Like it's, I think that's, I don't think there's any question of that. Is he the guy five years from now? That I don't know. But he's probably going to be the guy the next couple of years. I'm pretty confident with that. Yeah, and that, uh, and, and now going back to the question. Has this season been the best case scenario? The only thing I would quibble with is the start. This team didn't mm-hmm. have to start one and six. They were not that bad. Um, it was disappointing, and it's fair. It's okay to say this. It was disappointing that the defense took as long as it did to get its bearings, and it's and it's still not perfect. It's still not. I would yeah, even no. say good. Um, and so this team was good enough this year to make the playoffs, and. It, it's it's going to be a minor disappointment if they don't. And so that, you know, I, I would argue that, that 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 was not, therefore this is not the best case scenario. There there were some mistakes made. There were some coaching decisions made that, that are regrettable in the first half of the season. They, they, they should have beaten some teams. They should have played the Patriots a lot more competitively than they did. And, and mm-hmm. yes, there were some early season injuries. Yes. Um, the, the defense, uh, as we've brought up a couple times now was, was full of a bunch of, new players, even from last year. Um, and so certain, there are certainly excuses to why they started so slowly, but they they were in some of those games. They should have won some of those games. And if yeah. they were, then then maybe even weeks, week 18 doesn't matter to this team. Maybe they're already locked into the, the giant spot or whatever it is. So, And I, I, I want to I dovetail that into uh, our last question, which actually comes from uh, John Whitaker, uh, our, our editor uh, and, and writer on staff. He says, What's the biggest regret from this season? Uh, I, th- I think it's right there, right? It's you, the missed opportunities early, 
right? The, you don't you don't beat Minnesota when you had the chance in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, you don't. Uh, Seattle was the tighter game that you probably should have had better control of. You you were right in that Philly game, and maybe you even could have won that Philly game. Like that would have been a heck of a start. Like there were there were those opportunities at the beginning of the season to get wins that they didn't know how to get. Yeah. And so I think not being able to get those is probably going to be the thing that they re- regret when it's all said and done, because those, those, even if it was just one of them, just yeah. one of those wins early in the season would have made a, a pretty big drip difference uh, at this stage. Yeah. And even to zoom in even further, I, I feel like it, it's always going to hurt that decision to k- kick the field goal in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, you, you can point directly to that, that, that choice swings win percentage pretty, pretty drastically um, in that one. And, you know, just if they, if they punt there, if they go for it there, there's no guarantee they still win that game, mm-hmm. but it, it, it certainly feels like they, they would have given themselves a, a better chance. And, you know, those sort of things are going to start creeping up again, right? Because Dan Campbell made a very similar decision a couple of weeks ago and the line still won the football game. So we're not talking about it anymore, but as this team continues to get competitive, get competitive and, and play close games and play big games, that's, that's something that I'm still going to keep an eye out for. And and I'm not, I'm not saying fire Dan Campbell, like a lot of people were at the time, but I hope <laughs> that's, that's a part of his game that improves. And then also maybe, maybe add some more guys to the secondary this off season. I think maybe that's a little bit of a regret too. On the interior defensive line, that'd be fun. Sure. So they have more than three guys. <laughs> uh, and also uh, a regret not having Dan Campbell be at the, uh, the owner's meeting so that he can be in Madden because I'm, I'm sick of watching whatever facial expressions that Don Crimble, as we so uh, lovingly call him on our, during our Madden Sims. Okay. It's petty. I know. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, let's close things out there. Um, we will be back on our Twitch channel and on the podcast feed later this week with a Packers guest to talk about the big game lions Packers week 18. The podcast will be live usually around six to seven o'clock Thursday nights. Uh, check our Twitter account for updates there. Twi- Twitter.com slash pride of Detroit. Uh, but uh, until then, guys, thank you for joining us. Uh, let's uh, continue to get the excitement rising as the week goes on. Uh, big week for for Lions fans, obviously. We appreciate you all of your support throughout the year uh, and, and the new one as well. But until then, for Eric, I'm Jeremy. Thanks for joining us. It's chaos. 